0: Hello everybody and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Finito. Our last episode was all about the Australian legend, the Bunyip. And one of the many films we discussed on the show was 2015's 80s inspired short film, Bunyip. Now we want to know a little bit more about the film and its director, so we decided to make a few calls and I'm pleased to announce that this week we're lucky to be joined by a very special guest a director whose work you will be familiar with, specialising in music videos, live concert films, documentaries and surf films. He's worked with the likes of The Paper Kites, Simple Plan and Neck Deep, with his video views stretching into the multi-millions, as well as his short films, which of course includes Bunyip. So I'd like to introduce all the way from Queensland, Australia, Peter John. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, so obviously here at Hey Ho Finito, we kind of uh, look at myths and legends from around the world and how to influence movies, and we came across this uh, a bizarre kind of uh, amazing short film uh, Bunyip, um which was just kind of like uh, kind of reeks style and 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 kind of uh, in, intrigue. so we kind of reached out to you and kind of to to see if you were kind of like wanted to talk about it and kind of a, a little bit a little bit about yourself as well. And we were uh, kind of intrigued about kind of the choices that you made and stuff. So um, it's great that you kind of said yes uh, to to come and and talk on the show. But before we get into that, if you could kind of like tell our uh, listeners and stuff just a little bit about yourself and how you got into the business and, 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 you know, kind of the situation that you got to make these films and stuff.
1: Oh, that's super, super interesting. I try and make a long story short. (laughs) But I've been doing this for over 20 years. So I'm 39 now. So I would have started making things in high school around 16 years old. And so I never really, I still don't know what I want to do with my life. That's a funny thing. Everyone's like, oh, you've been doing this. Like, you know what you're doing. I'm like, "Nah, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to make stuff that I like. And so uh, when I finished school, I started a band and, and um, it was a pop punk band. So that's why a lot of my music videos and the content I've worked for, uh, the bands I've worked for, uh, that genre. Uh, so at the same time, I also did a uh, course in video production at TAFE and the first uh, project I did was a music video uh, for a band called Anti-Skeptic and that that got um, aired on our national TV uh, Rage on uh, ABC. And so my first project that I did was actually uh, on TV. So it's kind of cool that I got that opportunity. And so a lot of other bands, because we're all playing in bands together, they then said, oh, can you do a music video? for our band. I'm like, yeah, great. So I kind of made this little niche market of doing music videos while I was being in a band as well. So it was easy to advertise cause I'd go and meet bands and then they'd find out you have a chat and you get a relationship going. So I didn't ever have to promote myself or or sell or advertise or do anything like that. So I was kind of in this unique situation. And then I, I did, I did the band for t- uh, 10 years and worked some casual jobs while making all kind of other uh, video content as well. But it, I got to the point in 2008, 2009, and I was like, nah, I'm done with trying to do the band thing. It's like everyone tries to do it. You don't make money. You, you pay money to be in a band. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to do music videos for a living. And that's when I made uh, the Paper Kites Bloom video. Uh, and that the band uh, before the Paper Kites were called Best Before, and they were a, a pop-punk band that we took around with us touring a bit. And, and so they would – The singer from that band, Sam, he decided to do something a bit more arty. And so that's when I decided to do something a bit more arty with music videos. And so little did we know, like they had a following of about maybe a few hundred to a thousand people maybe. And so when we put that out, it it got like 10,000 views or something in the first few weeks. And we were like, wow, that's amazing. And then it hit a million, a hundred thousand, then a million. And, you know, my dad's like, wow, that's pretty good, son. You got a, you know, a million views. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I think it's on 25 million now. and and then we did the second clip. And, and so it was kind of weird. Then I literally had this niche market of, of just making music videos for a living. I was doing 25 a year or something. So yeah. And that got to the point of uh, coming, like I'd done, oh, I'd say maybe 80 or so music videos. I've, I've done 107 now. But uh, back in 2014, wow. I think, or 15, I was like, oh, I was, sitting, I was sitting next to a mate. And I'm like, I'm kind of bored. I've been doing it for like five or six years um non-stop and I kind of want to do something different he said like why don't you do a, a short film I'm like oh yeah all right and so I had spent the next six months um just going back to an idea I've had for a long time with a mate who's a puppeteer and uh yeah so I got a few few of my core friends in that I worked with a lot a lot of them were in some of the bands like Jeremy Fowler was in a band called New Empire who I'd done seven clips for he did the soundtrack for that and and My mate, uh, Kate Embry, who's done a lot of design stuff, he was the art director for it. And so I just got all my mates and said, hey, let's make something fun uh, just for the pure fun of it. And so it has no meaning whatsoever, except the one rule I said to my mate who was writing the script, I said, "Uh, I only want you to write a one-liner every line. So the whole entire script is based (laughs) off one-liners. It needs to make no sense, and it has to have the worst Aussie slang ever. And that's the only (laughs) rule.
0: (laughs) There's there's a, there's a fair few of those in, in in the film. It's like I think my favourite one is there. Don't forget your floaties. Is is just the uh, it's kind of a, a, a great, a great part, <laughs> a great part of that. But uh, I mean, obviously, you're you're credited of having a, a writer's um a, a credit to the film as well, aren't you? So, um, you said that you kind of you felt yeah you had this idea f- for quite a while beforehand. So did you have a like a kind of a personal experience, not personal experience, but did you have uh did you obviously grew up with the myth and legend and it's, it's kind of
1: it's kind of weird because it's not in Australia. No one really ever talks about a bunyip. So I don't know what it comes across as to people from another country, but it was, it was kind of when you are growing up, you get those books of bunyips and stuff. And then there's a surf film from the eighties called bunyip dreaming with Oki in it. It's one of my um, favorite surf films. Uh, It's got nothing to do with bunyips, but um,
0: (laughs) it's just a surf film. But I was like, it's, I, I like the way you, like you talked about that you, you grew up as a kid with those bunyip books, but it's like to the outside world, people, people don't kind of grow up with uh, bunyip books. No, it's
1: like, what is, what is a bunyip? So I started doing my research before, like before we wrote the film, and I'm like, well, there's just a lot of different types of myths about what it looks like, what size it is. You know, apparently it came from the swamps, Uh, the coolabar trees and all that sort of stuff like old school um you know first settlers in australia type and uh yeah i just couldn't find enough cool information so we just decided to make this creature eight foot tall and the the puppeteer (laughs) my mate, my mate lyle he's on uh like stilts Uh, i guess they were like half a meter high so that made him really tall and so he he'd made the creature for another film that he was in but we adapted it to be more like a bunyip and designed the face a bit different and so you know standing having him stand in the middle of the beach for some of the scenes up up a double island point and having uh four drives just drive past and and like the passengers just looking like what <laughs> is that and it just, it just made my face like smile because i was like oh this is great they have no idea what's going on and there's this big creature standing in the middle of the in the sand it looks it's just a such a beautiful place uh in where we decided to shoot. It's like one of my favorite places to go and also to put some sort of mythical creature in that area just kind of creates this weird kind of vibe. And I just kind of, I don't know, I always dream about when I see a location and I see a place, how cool it would be to make something in that place. So uh, to bring some mythical creature into it was such a different thing for me. And, and I got so excited. Like we, you know, we did, we did a little uh, premiere back in our local coffee shop and you know, because all the all the local Groms we call them, they're like kids that surf uh, that are in the film, they you know had all their family and friends. It was just this really cool community vibe, and that's all I wanted it to be. And then I was like, Oh, I'll put it on YouTube as well. And I think it's on five thousand views, and I'm like, and some random comments people just come up, and then obviously you guys you know found it. And I was like, this is so weird. It's just I just made it for fun, and now I was like. Maybe I want to make more. Maybe I want to make the Drop Bear movie, and um, there's all these other Australian mythical creatures that can kill you because everyone thinks that everything in Australia kills you. It pretty much does, but um...
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's it's interesting you were saying about uh, looking at a location and kind of bringing that myth uh, myth to that. It's kind of like bringing. I, I know obviously the, the, the scenery and stuff like the, the world is alive, but you're kind of breathing more into it and, and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting you say that. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's like you bring um,
1: a really beautiful location in, but there's some mystery in it. It's like it's not
0: yeah, a little bit of sinister, sinister, sinister overtones to some something that's obviously beautiful and stuff. That that talking about that is that kind of what made you kind of like push the cinematography for that kind of '80s kind of kind of vibe in in the bunyip? But b- b- is there a reason you chose that particular sort of look and feel for it?
1: Um, yeah, basically, I, I believe just cause I've experienced it as a, as a kid growing up that the eighties were the, the most carefree fun times. Um, <laughs> there's no stress in the eighties. It was, it was chill. Like, you know, Saturday afternoons, everything shut, shop, shut. You know, you'd, you'd go and ride your uh, BMX bike down to the shop, play the arcade and get some lollies. Uh, and it was just carefree fun. And I wanted to experience that cause I, I didn't grow up in the beach. I grew up in Melbourne in the suburbs. So, always dreamt about yeah, what yeah. it would be like to grow up uh, with the kids in the film, like their age, you know, 15, 16 years old, what it would feel like to be a surfer and a skater growing up in these locations in the eighties. And so I took my thought of what it would be like and put it into the film to, cause I was like, I want this to be everything that I dream of. Uh,
0: so it's almost like, so it's like you're, you're sorry. It's, it's like your idolized version of, the, the you know the decade you actually live through so it's kind of, yeah
1: the perfect version yeah. of, all, of what I would see in my 80s would be like kind of what you would see on on TV but you know when where I grew up it was just suburb streets and it was cool but it wasn't that kind of palm tree epic location kids skating around all the time it was where I grew up it yeah. was like if you if you skated you got you know things thrown at you like lemons and apples <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, so it's it's kind of like the sky's always the perfect blue, and and the, the sand's always the perfect kind of the color and stuff like that. The idea it's always summer, basically. Yeah, it's always
1: summer. That's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. Like, that's that's why I even moved up to the Sunshine Coast. It's called Sunshine Coast um, in Queensland, is because I wanted to have a never-ending summer. So I don't think I've experienced a like... winter for maybe eight years now.
0: Wow. So it's it's like a kind of game of thrones style but the the opposite way around uh, <laughs> like eternal summers. Yeah, it, that's great. Um you, you kind of you mentioned that you kind of you had a lot of characters kind of introduced like obviously the uh you know the 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 bad guys in in, in the bun you at the start introduced and it's quite a, a hilarious kind of back and forth between uh, you know the protagonists and stuff like that. Is did was there a did you ha- ha- have an idea of making this a longer feature like because obviously, if it was a full-length film, could you have kind of like you know uh, developed those characters a bit more and stuff? And is that? Possibility?
1: Oh man, I would have loved to, but the 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 rules we had was it had to fit in seven minutes for Trotfest, Um to okay, enter it. Okay. But that was like kind of like if we're going to make a film, it's going to be a short. I've never made a feature before, so I was like, I want to kind of work out how to. Um, do a short really well. But then I was like, well, what if we could create the whole entire, well, take um, a whole entire feature length um, storytelling narrative and put it into a short of seven minutes? And I was like, I don't even know if that's possible. And so I was like, I'm going to try and do whatever I did. I mean, I didn't make it into Tropfest, but it made it. It, it got finalists in some other uh, film festivals, which is kind of cool. But it, it, it realised that I don't really like rules based on wanting to win a competition and so it, yeah. the, the second edit became a little bit longer like another minute longer or something just to drag out and so i was like oh this would have been a great 20 minute film i could add it a bit more space and then but i was like oh it would have been great to do this as a feature but none of the guys were actors they never acted before
0: um okay so it's kind of literally literally friends and stuff
1: yeah i flipped it so i wanted everyone to have the skills surfing and skating skills and not have the acting skills uh and i i wanted to show the story not really use acting uh, like really good actors to tell it i wanted it to be authentic in it's in the the skills of the the players so that had yeah, to be of great. So like, great surfers up. great skaters
0: you've got the the beautiful surf scenes uh, i think it's sort of midway through so obviously they're doing that for real it's it's really them doing it and yeah, exactly. that's that, that amazing and it kind of gives you that again that idolised kind of dreamlike nature of wanting to to live on the coast and kind of be able to surf all the time like that so that's that that's kind of a, a great thing there is that is that because they weren't actors is that what led to the the vhs dub which i think i, I think it's a hilarious uh kind of uh um addition to the film it kind of adds an extra layer to it is or is that because of there was like sound problems or was that the idea from the start yeah. I was, it was the uh, idea from
1: the start i wanted to overdub everything to make it <laughs> i wanted to make it like good enough not bad but oh, it was like more fun doing i don't think i've laughed enough uh doing the voiceovers in the in the studio setup <laughs> we had with everyone in and out, and
0: it,
1: yeah, I, and especially when we did the skating uh, scenes at the start. I think we did two days or three days of that. But I've never laughed so hard in my life doing doing this, the scenes. It's like because <laughs> a little bit was ad lib as well. Some of the guys were like um, ad libbing a little bit. The younger guys couldn't do that, but some of the other guys were just having fun with it, and I, I was like crying with laughter. I've never. But like, even just to put, because they're all my friends, like, they're all, like, the kids that came over and just wanted to go, you know, film me surfing or do this and that, and then they became friends when I moved up, and then I was, like, when we said let's make a film, and I got to hang out with all these crew for, like, days on end, just laughing. And yeah. So,
0: and
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting in that in that sense. It's, like, I don't think I could have done it if they were real actors.
0: No, yeah I, I think you could, yeah, yeah, yeah you kind of wouldn't had that layer to it would you, you kind of it's kind of lost something there but yeah maybe, maybe too forced or too, too almost too um um too staged is the word I was looking for yeah so but, even though it was, um, yeah, it's you, kind
1: of weird because even though it's completely scripted it's not staged yeah I don't even know if that makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah but it's uh, too try hard was the word I was looking for that was the uh, you know it's kind of if you have actors who are trying to kind of Uh, kind of recreate something that's kind of natural uh, and you playing up to kind of cliches and stuff but you mentioned you mentioned the drop bear in there which um, (laughs) uh, obviously is a line in 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 the film "Ah, I'm a drop bear um, It um, drops down you do you said that do you you've got some other ideas for other kind of myths and legends is the drop bear the the next step for your short films
1: yeah, that's why I added that um, I added that line in there in that scene is because I wanted to allude that we're making the Drop Bear movie. Yeah. Uh, and I've got, like, maybe four, five or six different styles of scripts for that. I, I kind of think I really want to keep them all in a theme of, of the 80s. And so every yeah, – and, yeah. and maybe keep some of the actors in there as well. Um, uh, and so there's a bit of a theme going on with, like – all these like I was even thinking because I I travel a lot and uh overseas especially is like every time people arrive in Australia on a Qantas flight that you could have this series of creatures that kill you in Australia and that would be (laughs) (laughs) like a bunch of uh, mythical creatures from Australia only and so people would watch them and like because we we trick so many people that come come over from America especially about drop bears and they believe they're true and oh man it's been some good good times
0: um just, yeah, yeah just seeing reporters and stuff like that just falling for it so.
1: and they fall for it it's, <laughs> it's it's great i've had a guy on for about two months believing that they existed um <laughs> it's, and so i'm like uh, if, if i can obviously obviously the bunyip thing doesn't look realistic but i was like man if i did drop air i'd have to have it to be like an animatronic style puppet where you could do some really cool stuff but i'm like you need you need budgets for this sort of stuff like uh you know i think i did the whole short for like under under six grand in total i could do it i could do it for a lot cheaper now but um yeah it all comes down to creativity like the location you shoot in is always the top dollar thing and like if if you have access to that it costs nothing uh and then like i have the gear anyway to do it but it's more um it's more like what you can do with the puppet, and so I really want to do something. The problem we don't have, the problem we have now is not being able to, to travel, and so my puppeteer is in in Melbourne, and so for us to shoot something and make something, it's not really going to work until they they um, stop with the travel bans going on at the moment. So I'm kind of stuck. Maybe I should just write them all and script them to be ready, but it's a great like yeah, I feel yeah. it's a great <laughs> time to make a whole series of them.
0: Yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be fantastic. It'd um, have a kind of like your own sort of mini universe of uh, of um, uh, Australian um, mythological kind of cr- creature films. It'd be great if you actually had like the in-flight film. Is I I, I, don't, I think that's what you were alluding to, as people arriving, arriving. almost like the the seatbelt signs and watch out for the drop bears and the the that oh, yeah, uh, That'd be, hilarious. It'd be
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> But well, maybe maybe you could use the the current situation of the sort of the lockdown and uh, travel bans and stuff like that to I don't know uh, more creativity like kind of working around those uh, perimeters of not being able to travel and stuff and filming. Do you see yourself kind of writing a uh, you know a, a short film? I don't know, set in your house, or um, could you even do a music video f- filmed from 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 these, these locations?
1: Uh, the problem with music video a lot of my clients uh from interstate i usually go somewhere or they come somewhere so music videos are a bit harder to do uh and i feel that artists aren't really trying to release music at the moment either or delaying it yeah yeah um because they make their money off touring so it's it's kind of a way i think this time is like to be super creative so you know if if lyle the, the puppeteer for the film um was available like was able to come to where i am or i was able to go where he is uh, it all to do with the location and the actors as well. But, you know, that would that would work. But we got state shutdown. You can't come to a, a state unless you live there. So mm-hmm. that type of creativity is going to get hard. But um yeah, I feel like to, to to continue the legacy of the of these films, I really need the puppets to be amazing. Uh in a sense of like not CGI style, but like um just cool, just like really cool, weird um, creatures.
0: Yeah, there's something a lot more tactile having something in camera instead of kind of, um, kind of doing it. It kind of almost removes you from it, doesn't it? Kind of CGI. I mean, I've, I've personally I've worked with a lot of animatronic stuff and CGI, and always found like having the actual puppet is a lot better because people react to it better and stuff.
1: Yeah, you can make it kind of come alive. Everyone it knows it's not real, but it just has this—I don't know—and that's why the beauty of doing everything in the '80s as well. It's like, oh, it was from the '80s. That's what it was like in the '80s. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's the only thing they had. So it's you know, you Jim Henson and all that stuff was like, oh, I love that stuff. It's awesome. Um, so I don't know. I would, I've been thinking about it for the last week or so. And then, and then when you hit me up with an email, I'm like, Oh, maybe I could do them all in this time. And so you got me, (laughs) you got me excited. That's for sure. Um, you know, being unemployed really and not being able to work (laughs) due to all the circumstances means, and that's what happened when I made Bunyipal. I was like, I was just bored of working. It's the same thing. I needed a break. So I feel like this could be a long extended break where I make keeps it randomly, hopefully cool stuff. Um, In this time because i'm like i always think about these things you go have a shower you're driving down the street you're going out for a surf and you're like oh that idea in the drop bear film where it comes running 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 down and it's chasing a guy and he goes into this into this bar in the middle of nowhere and the door shuts and then you've got this whole scene where everyone's locked in in this um bar from the 80s or like old school kind of queenslander type of area and then it becomes this like you get to know the characters inside. I'm like, I get these weird ideas and I'm like, Oh, this would be really yeah, cool. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, what, then you could have, <laughs> then you could have Bunyip versus Dropbear and you could have like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or like a classic kind of like monster, the universal monsters kind of like, uh, you know, Frankenstein versus, uh, Dracula and stuff like that. But Bunyip versus, yeah, that would be, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the things that was kind of um, kind of grabbed us uh, the attention is obviously Bunyip has its own uh, movie web page as well, doesn't it? And the the art direction for the posters and stuff is, is, is it looks like, as you said, it looks like a full full feature, a full you know a real um, kind of cinematic release and stuff like that. So if you were to do a whole series of these mythological, uh would you continue kind of that look? Because because I, I can see those posters now. Those that kind of like um, graphical style is, a, is really good. It's, it's attention grabbing.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing I like. Like I, every time I kind of make a music video, I do I do a film poster for it. I think it just gives this um, trophy feeling of what it is. It, I don't know. Like I, I got the poster with me. I got a few. Uh, my parents have one at their house, but it, it's like when my mate Cade made the poster, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's better than the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, um, you know, you put a bunch of people together doing something for fun and then they all kind of start creating some very interesting stuff. And when you put it together, it's just like this really cool, you'll never forget the moment type thing. So, yeah, the only reason to make this stuff is to to join forces with other artists and have fun. And so I think a lot of that's gone, really, like, to be honest, everything in the industry is about uh, obviously making money. That's how it works with the with the record labels and all the um, executives and the, mm-hmm. the producers and stuff. They just want to make money. And so they just go off a, off a model that works. And so doing something that might not work and just for fun is not doesn't really happen. Everyone's trying to make it in the industry. And I was like, let's try and not make it in the industry. Let's just try and make something that we all enjoy doing. Um, and hopefully other people will like it. And so... You know, when I put it on YouTube, I didn't expect it to get any... Like, a lot of my <laughs> uh, uh, vids of like, millions and millions of views for other people that I've done and other artists. But for me, I'm like, oh, like, if it gets 100 views, that'd be cool. But it's, like, 5,000. I'm like, I didn't even push that thing. So I don't know how people are watching that to start yeah, with.
0: That's that, that's that's all natural kind of, like, uh, fed. It's not kind of being uh, force-fed into people's feeds and stuff. That's just natural people coming across I mean, that, that's how we came across it as well. It was just kind of naturally... Uh, ended up on our screens and stuff and um yeah so do you, you i mean i i think i read somewhere stuff that you've done some sort of uh you've done a lot of uh classes as well you've taught people how to kind of edit and and direct as well yeah uh, do you see yourself doing more of that um uh, in the future kind of teaching yeah you? i
1: i started doing that before i was going down to some states and doing some workshops uh before this shutdown happened and so it was great like I and I started running a course last year so basically for surfers that want to learn how to uh, do content documentary style stuff and promotional stuff um but with a a bit more of a an idea for like um social justice style change type work and and meaningful content so you know I took I had students online which was really cool um every week and then there was five trips around the world five you know, different places we went to and we make different types of content in those places and so you know the documentary i made with the students um was in indonesia in a, in a lo- location roti island it's just a beautiful place so everywhere you, sh- you point a camera and mm-hmm. shoot it looks amazing and so for me it was taking taking the the magical kind of um unknown with like beautiful scenery and and creating content around that and using that is the tool to teach instead of doing it inside a classroom like how I learned which is super boring you get everyone goes shoots up shoots something against a a brick wall and and it just like it's just no there's no beauty and imagination when it comes to that and so my my top student Sam Harvey he came out of AFTERS course in Sydney which is I think it's one of Australia's best uh, film, yeah. film places and then two weeks in he's like I can't handle this and he rang me he's like can I do your course and I'm like oh sure but you missed out on like our New Zealand trip which is amazing we we road tripped around the top island went to all these amazing places and so he was kind of gutted that he missed that but he got to do all the other stuff and he directed the documentary we did in, in uh, Indonesia we did a, a film tour with that as well and um, it was really cool just seeing him being able to express what he's learned along the year and how he's grown and uh and what type of content he's making and then before this shutdown happened he um he was like in morocco shooting some stuff for a client and then to london and i was like man this guy's traveling more than i am this is cool he's like 19 (laughs) years old first first year out of training and he's and he's and he's killing it so uh that you know everything stopped this year so um rearranging how to teach people to do this stuff is really hard because my whole basis of work is is going to Really iconic, kind of cool places that draw emotion through through the the location, and not just making content for content's sake, but just bringing a story to life through the beauty of the place that it's in. And so, teaching teaching students how to find these places, and then what to look for when you're filming these places and how to draw your story out and then what type of light to shoot in as well. Like, you know, Bunyip has a specific look and color because of the time of day I shot. And so (laughs) um, everything for me is a sunset. Uh, And so, you know, that means everything I shoot takes a longer time because you only got 20 minutes of perfect light. So um. yeah.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say, it's nice to actually hear about someone actually teaching, uh, on, on in the places that these people would be going on to film into, like you said, your uh, student Sam, who kind of is now off uh, filming in other locations, you kind of like learn on uh, by practice instead of kind of just by theory, and it's that's kind of a, a nice way of kind of doing it instead of just reading reading about it and filming in a sort of a location that they wouldn't be filming in in the future.
1: Yeah, you gotta you gotta spark um, curiosity really in this game. Um, I think. I think it's just, yeah. I think the teaching system, the education system, doesn't understand it. Um, you know, I said to, I said to Sam after we shot some underwater stuff on a island that we took a boat to, away from the island we were on, coming back, and then there's flying fish coming out of the water, and and then there's some dolphins coming out, and I was like, hey man, what do you think of your classroom? And he's like, this is the best <laughs> ever. And so it just creates a, like a. Like we just talk about all the cool things we want to do in life and like the ideas and, and you're in a place where you're free to do that. You're not restricted. Like it's, I mean, that's how I spent my last, you know, 20 years and the last 10, especially Um, it's like having always having room to dream about things and what it could look like um, and not being restricted by that. So I think that's the classroom what it should be really education is done on the day to day. So obviously these guys came from different states. I had a guy from New Zealand as well. So, you know, to, to do the training, the tech stuff, we just do it online on a Friday.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but to to actually, to learn properly, it's like, yeah, I was like, guys, you can learn all this stuff on YouTube. You just need to know what to search for. Um, but I'm just gonna run you through all this stuff and then I'm gonna give you the equipment and I'm gonna give you a, a, a some rules to abide by and then you, you, you can work out if you want to break them or not and how you want to tell the story but I'm not going to even show you how to use a gear here's here's an expensive red camera now go play with it and they're like Oh, <laughs> and they go make some mistakes and then I'm like hey yeah that's you know that's why you don't do this and then do this and like oh I get it which is really cool so it's like throw them in the deep end let them make some mistakes but the beautiful thing is it's it's not uh, it's not doesn't matter if they make mistakes in this place so a lot of the time is like school is like these are the rules and they go to the workplace and if they make mistakes they're fired or something like that so it's not um i don't believe that's the way to do it it's like nah here's here's a learning environment go make a heap of mistakes and then go make some cool stuff and you make the rules because you know what you're doing
0: yeah no. ultimately you end up with a better creative out of that don't you you kind of um if you obviously if you learn if you fail you can kind of make Better work from it from personal experience anyway. So do you see do you see yourself obviously with with the, the current climate and stuff like that? Do you see yourself um, going more into teaching and, and kind of like putting your own sort of directing on the side, or do you uh, do you think you'll go kind of go back and kind of focus more on your own work?
1: Um, I think it's a time for me to kind of get creative and make some fun stuff, but at the same time uh, help people out that need to take their business online. Uh, and so what I've learned in the last few years with online training and teaching and having platforms to do it really well is is to get people over the line because people don't really know how to communicate online really when it comes down to it. they've, they've If they've got a business that runs pe- person to person uh, and they have, like, they just don't know how to communicate really. Um, and so teaching people how to present and teaching people to have energy and, and then, and then keep it engaging for the whole entire time you're you're doing this online is is probably something that not many people know about. So I think uh, doing that maybe for fifty percent of my working time and then doing something random for fun. Because I'm like, you know, when you're unemployed, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm like you literally <laughs> yeah. the government's gonna give you some money, so you know, you gotta you gotta do something. Like I think Balancing doing something for myself and then doing something that contributes to the world to make it a bit better would, yeah, like, it's would hard be hard. balancing that. I think,
0: or, or maybe or maybe it's both at the same time. If you're uh, giving a, 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 a another uh, Bunyip type vi- uh, video to the world, it might be uh, the the humour and laughter is what people need at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I think so. I yeah. think it hundred percent needs it. So you know, I watched. I hadn't watched it for ages, probably years, and so I watched it before an interview just to recap my mind and you know because I get to see some of these guys still um, most days like we'll go for a surf together Um, we're still allowed to do that so but then you know it's like five years ago they were like so much younger and I'm like oh this is so much fun and so uh, for me it just brought a smile back to my face so you know it's something I think I should be doing more I get real serious with this stuff too so it's for me making something fun is pretty important
0: So did you did you say did you say that was um, originally was that kind of like uh, funded by uh, Kickstarter or uh, Indiegogo or or was was it originally funded in the end?
1: Originally, we tried to do it that way, but I didn't really understand how it all worked. I'm like, oh, why would people fund something that is for our our pure benefit, not theirs? (laughs) And so (laughs) I was like, yeah, you guys should fund it because we're gonna love doing it. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Um, So I just self funded it. Like, it didn't really cost me as much as i thought it would but um you know because of my other work it you know i was literally could live for another year without working so i was like oh let's put put this into a film and do something for fun yeah. but so if you, you
0: if you, uh, if you were going to do drop bear or your uh, the other the other myth would you would you think about going down the kind of like funded route again i mean i, I know i'd probably do it to, just to get a poster um, <laughs> of, uh, of the drop there.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that would be that would be the cause. Like, uh, I have got another f- uh, documentary I'm working on at the moment with a band that was um funded. It was only uh seventeen hundred initial, which got me to fly to the to the events to film. Uh, and then I'll put it like I'll put it up on a site and then people can donate to watch. Um, as as opposed to pay for it. Um, I would prefer it to spread more than have a restriction on people going, I can't afford it. I don't know what it's about. I'd rather people watch it and be like, this is great and share it and then donate whatever they feel comfortable. So yeah. I, I feel like that's my model now, but that's with something that uh, has a bit bit of a meaning. Like people find the meaning in the music and the in the community of, of, of bands and stuff like that. So making something for fun, for entertainment, that's a harder one to work out how to monetize unless you have a network backing or someone wanting to um, – put it on a streaming service so or sell it to a streaming service so i I don't know i having the post like it costs obviously people time that i don't mind doing stuff myself but like the guy doing the artwork it it cost him i think it took him a week to make that so because he hand drew it all and stuff like that i gave him heaps of photos that we already had so you know like really good art actually just takes time and so whether the people want to do it for fun It's like if you start making heaps and say, I'm going to do five of these, they're going to be like, oh, dude, I don't have time. Uh, No matter how good a friend they are. And so, yeah, it would be to get these extra things that you want to do anyway. It's like, hey, you know, get the film, back it, and receive a poster and a a this and a that. Or I don't know. Um, Because for me, it's like, I don't really care about the return myself, but it's the people that help out. Um, You basically don't want um you don't want you don't want to skimp them like they're friends they're artists they deserve to be paid for the their work but
0: so was the uh the, the 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 song that you did with uh for uh bunyip as well the music video these kind of sort of the 80s style as well was that was that another uh, friend uh artist or was kind of that, yeah yeah we, was and, that... and i
1: i paid him because he had to write the whole soundtrack so basically he wrote five songs for it and that one that one he wrote the lyrics for as well so I was shooting another music video for them at the same time. So I said, oh, can we just do, can we just set up this and shoot a pretend music video? And so, yeah, he was gracious enough to spend another hour because he was paying me to do the music video. I was paying him. (laughs) So we We cancelled each other out really on that one. It's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, it it added to the, the whole aesthetic of that kind of, that kind of whole vibe that we were talking about earlier, kind of the again you're kind of building you only had as you said the seven or eight minutes but you're kind of building a mini kind of universe there that kind of felt like you could uh live and breathe in it because you yeah, had like the music video attached to it the kind of the it felt like a bigger world and if as you were saying if you are planning on expanding it that would be kind of a, a really nice kind of like little additions like that kind of do kind of build on those world building kind of i would
1: definitely love yeah. to work out how to like if they weren't funded it'd be, it'd be like straight on but you know, they always get put to the end of the pile because you just don't know
0: yeah.
1: um, if you can get people to fund it or, you know, get enough people involved to be like, yeah, I'll put I'll put 20 bucks in. And then if you get like, you know, uh, maybe like 500 people to put 20 bucks in, then then you can go, all right, let's go. Let's, you know, Jeremy, you're getting paid to write the songs. Go lock yourself away for a, a couple of weeks and come back. And then he's living his dream because he doesn't have to worry about work. Um, you know what I mean? And so, you know, everyone that's involved... Instead of me going, oh, I'll pay for your flight, I'll put it on points, or, you know, I'll buy you guys dinner at Sizzler after we do the shoot. You know, the the Grums were so happy with that. They're like, oh, we got Sizzler, all you can eat. And so, you know, (laughs) everything comes out of my pocket, but I'm like, I'm very grateful for them just to being a part of making something for fun. But obviously, yeah, that always gets put to the end of the pile for me if if I know it's going to cost me a certain amount and I don't have that money floating around all the time, really, so yeah you know but then it's like oh we're not doing anything so we might as well just make something and it doesn't cost anyone anything because everyone's got free time so
0: yeah is there is there any um, particular projects that you've had in the past that you've kind of had to push push to the side because of uh you know kind of normal daily life that you, you'd want to bring back up again i mean you said about the bunyip was kind of like an idea you had to kick around and stuff is is there is there another idea not necessarily a myth or legend but just something that you'd kind of Pushed to the side because you were too busy. Yeah,
1: I, there's there's a um there's a puppet there's a puppet show with the same guy that does does Bunyip, but um it's a rock a puppet rock band and it's um and they have a time time traveling tour bus and, <laughs> and and so basically <laughs> that's it's that's an excuse to make a, a kids show uh that that is 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 funny. Uh, and I get to do it with my mate so I spoke to um Sebastian from simple plan about writing songs for that as well um, oh. but I was going to model the puppets off of the simple plan guys characters themselves and and um do it that way so and then like having having different types of manage uh, like your manager is your classic you know manager from um uh, flight of the Concords and just having those type of yes putting everything from like all the cool things from different other people's different projects and putting them together to create this like weird kids popping uh, pop punk um, time traveling tour band and just having all these things <laughs> go on and they, they have all these adventures and stuff. So, you know, that's, that's a big one. That's like you do that for a year and you got to have everyone in a studio for, I'd imagine yeah, to would be puppets with green screen and, and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I've, I've had conversations with everyone. They're like, yeah, I'd love to do that. That sounds amazing. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, I really want to do that. But I'm like, how do you even start that one? With everyone's crazy. And like, it's perfect timing because everyone's got the kids that would watch it, but they don't have time because they've got the kids.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I mean, you could almost do, that's how you could answer the, uh, the, the, um, the music videos. But as you said, it's, it's it's not as easy as it looks. There's a lot of work that goes behind kind of all that puppetry and stuff like that and uh, it's you can't just film it in in the back room and stuff like that. It's a, a lot of time and effort and creativity behind it. So, you, you you were kind of talking earlier about other projects that kind of, other stuff. Is there any other big projects that might not necessarily be uh, film or, um, uh, you know, music videos and stuff that you're kind of working on?
1: Like uh, I, got- maybe four documentaries I'm working on at the moment. So one's a never ending surf documentary with a, a young kid, Reef Hazelwood from, from our area, Sunshine Coast. Uh, and when he was 15, this is the same time we did Bunyip, I think a similar time. Um, when he was 15, we took him to Tahiti for the Chopu, um, Billabong Pro. And he got to hang out with, um, we stayed with C.J. Hopgood uh, and it was his last year on the tour, so he was retiring. So he's a former world champion surfer, and so basically he was mentoring Reef on on what it is that it takes to be basically a world champion, or you know, be a really good surfer amongst these people and and character as well. Um, and so Reef is was uh, last year he had a great chance to get on the world tour. Um, he did very well in the the qualifying series, and he also got a lot of attention for being one of the highest or having the highest, um, aerial games in surfing. And so everyone, you know, got picked up. He got dropped by Billabong as a sponsor and then picked up by Hurley. So this year he was doing well on on track to qualify for the, for the, yeah, the world series. So basically that is potentially a documentary that is, written if he becomes a world champion surfer then it's got this really cool story of being mentored by a former world champion. So
0: Yeah.
1: Like it's it's a finished documentary, but at the same time I don't want it to put out as is because the story unfolds. So um yeah. yeah, it's,
0: yeah, yeah. it's it's literally literally in the making. So
1: Yeah, it's on a digital shelf getting digital dust. And um so that's been finished since two thousand and seventeen, eighteen in it in that current form but because of how everything was going with Reef, and then we've had conversations about do we follow him on tour and then that's too much pressure so then it comes down to like things like politics and in yeah, yeah, yeah. bureaucracy stuff not because it's annoying but because oh yeah that could if, if we, we put pressure on him and filming wherever he goes then you know he doesn't make it or you know it's just really weird kind of yeah yeah <laughs>
0: it, it, that the whole thing about did that affect his performance and and all that stuff and yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's tough, but it's, it, it does sound like uh, I mean that sounds like perfect uh, at this time, like perfect Netflix documentary stuff. There, that that's kind of you've got a, te- a captivated audience, and that would be uh, perfect to watch right now, especially. Oh, you, you know. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's heaps. There's that and um, uh,
1: Vans Walk Tour. The last ever Vans Walk Tour. I followed Simple Plan around and and made a documentary and filmed every entire Every entire track they played, and I had a different angle from every entire Warped Tour show, which is like 30 it. something. And so I created a live concert based on different angles about the whole entire tour. Um, and so I don't think that's ever been done before. And so that's finished. We premiered it um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland last year. I don't even know what year. We were on. Last year? I think it was last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was that was really cool. I went over for that. And um, so some of the fans have seen it, which is really cool. So uh, I'm still waiting for that to come out. So that could be potentially be very soon as well. So there's a bunch of documentaries that are – there's also a pop punk one I've been working on as well with all those you know neck deep and nose bands. But um, that could potentially come to light. If I get bored, I might just put random – I still wanted to keep going and get more artists, but I'm like, oh, I could just make it as it is. It's like a perfect time to put out this type of content and people don't have anything to do. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. It's, it sounds like you have a, a, a library of uh, work kind of sitting there that you could re- could release. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind I'm of sure frustrating. To like, <laughs> I,
1: I have been busy and now I'm not busy. So I'm like, oh, maybe I can. So now I've got this, like, my, my mind is like, I can do all like a hundred things now. Now I've got to work out which one's the most important. So I don't know, like, which ones are most important? The ones I've done or the ones I want to have fun with? Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's, a it's a real, real uh, hard, hard choice, choice there, there, isn't it? it, so, it yeah, um, 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 just, just something you touched on uh, earlier, just what I wanted to come back to. It's like, while we were watching the the Bunyip film and stuff, like, one of, uh, one of our, um, uh, the, the, the guys who helps us kind of research the show, he was like saying it kind of got a real kind of Jonathan King uh, vibe from it, from like from Black Sheep, Um you know I know it's a New Zealand film and stuff like that. But and kind of like that humor uh, that that was coming from it. Would you see yourself going to, into kind of like full horror? Could, could you do that, like real serious kind of sh- schlocky horror, or, oh or is it? I- kind of the the, the 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 jokey kind of uh, 80s stuff, kind of kind of the, uh, the the area that you're kind of comfortable in.
1: I am a I am a fan of thriller more than I am a th- fan of horror. I actually don't really like horror that much, to be honest. Um, <laughs> okay, it's it's really weird. Like I prefer. I have a saying: it's what you don't see that's more important. So I think in horror you see yeah. a lot. In thrillers you see you see very little, and you leave it up to the imagination of the viewer to make up what's going on. And so I think I will always delve into that into that area. Like Alfred Hitchcock and is is all those type of films are my favourite. Like, they're not they're not horror, they're all thriller based and it's like you just don't know yeah, what's going to happen. Yeah, so uh, if, if I was if I was uh, building that genre of content for myself it would be working out how to be a better thriller writer or director I think.
0: Well, e- even with even when the uh, the Yubanyip uh, film you kind of we only get glimpses. I mean, it's not like you—you you didn't have the suit. The suit is—I mean, on your—if you go on the website, you've got the stills of uh, of um, uh, you, you, you know the guy in the in, in the big kind of scary suit there. Um, but you, even then, you only have glimpses like the him getting dragged through the bush and stuff like that. It's kind of like the ambiguity of not knowing what's happening is 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 a lot more scary than actually seeing seeing the monster, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, we don't know who died in the film, so I can bring anyone back. Based on that, <laughs> and so yeah, we don't even yeah. know what happened. We don't even know what happened to um, Tania. Oh, what's her name in the film? Um, ugh, blank. But yeah, uh, the girl in the film. Like, we don't even know what happened to her. She just disappeared without even. We didn't even say how she disappeared. Purely because I didn't think we have time to show it in the film. Yeah. But um, you know, I could I could build backstories on what happened to those guys, and then I could bring that into Bunyip and a, a bunch of other things as well. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, so that's what I like about like, um, like thriller.
1: Thriller is you just like one of my favorite films of all time was *Picnic at Hanging Rock*. When I was younger, I don't know if uh, you've seen that Australian thriller. Yeah yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But it's like people go missing and you have no idea what happened to them or why, and it's you just don't see anything throughout the whole entire film, and I found it fascinating.
0: Yeah, the ambiguity is definitely a lot more. It's definitely a lot more interesting. But are you saying you you base you base that on 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 that film or?
1: I base the the concept of of not seeing what happens on by, by picnic and hanging rock. So I went back when I, when I was in writing it and working with um, Lucas, the the script writer and Lyle on how it would feel. I was like, I really want to work out what that is that I like uh, if I'm making a short film. And then I went back to those films that I loved and remembered why. And then I went and watched it and I'm like, "Oh it's so weird nothing happens in this film, but I really liked it Why did I like it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. would you would you would you say that's your kind of like main inspirations kind of uh, you know obviously picnic at Hanging Rock you mentioned Alfred Hitchcock and uh, stuff but is there anything else that kind of gives you the uh, sort of inspiration for your career over the past you said 20 years
1: yeah there's there's that type of filmmaking, especially anything that's like um Humphrey Bogart uh style film I think there's a lot of mystery in location, even though it's studio based. Um, uh, I love being able to tell a story and keep people engaged when nothing much is happening. Like all those type of films, it's like you have scenes that last for ages, and there's nothing much happening but tension building between the people in the room. And I'm like, oh man, that's a I just love that type of filmmaking, and then mixing that with the um, the classic '80s. Like there's a I, I really reference Rad, which is an American
0: yeah, 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 BMX
1: yeah. film, and then BMX Bandits the Nicole Kidman. Um, and there's another one as well. But I, I watch them so much in the preference in the in the in getting to the point of like the script and how it would feel. Um, to to the look as well. Um, working out the look but then working out what my Australian version of the look would be too um so it came down to referencing a lot of colors from bmx bandits but then putting my little spin on it um and then realizing that the dialogue was so terrible in those films as well (laughs) but what what was it what was it that drew me in what was it that drew me in i think it's just uh just some iconic things you know bmx bikes was pretty iconic and those type of skateboards were pretty iconic and yeah. I yeah, think it's Picnic and Hanging the Rock, was, the cat, the, the character in Picnic and Hanging Rock was like how they made you feel when you were amongst those big rocks. And I was like, that character in the film was like those massive boulder rocks. And I'm like, man, they did such a good job to making you feel that it was eerie, like really weird. So they made something that wasn't a person, a character. So, you know, that's the type, t- type of stuff I like, which is something that, you know, people that tend to write a film will have type, a type of style that kind of just get out of film school. And, you know, that's the type of thing that makes it to Trotfest and those film festivals. But I never go to those film festivals. I never watch them. I never like that type of style. I've got this other weird, mm-hmm. I would say it's a cult style. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Cause I don't think a lot of people are into it, but I could be wrong. I could. There could be lots of people that are underground into that stuff. Um, but I was like, man, if I just make what I love and hopefully that, ticks a box for a certain type of people and then keep making that style and working on making that better, obviously, because I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes down to it. Um, creating the thriller type uh, story in a short, in a short way. I'm like, I, I think I know how to do it a little bit, but I'm like, man, there's so many people that do it well. So studying that, like, that's another thing too. I don't really want to make another film till I've done a bit more uh, study in the area. So, uh, I, I feel like since I've done Bunyip I've learned a lot psych- psychologically with with um storytelling so I think I could take the next one to another level uh, as opposed to just making it for fun. I could really delve in and and uh, work on the storytelling techniques in in that kind of thriller style scenario
0: almost a, a direct sequel so you return to kind of like to that to that part to that same and find out it wasn't. As as uh, sunny and happy as it as it looked, almost like uh, at different stages of life. I, I think what you said about your uh, stuff uh, having that cult cult style. A lot of people kind of uh, grown up kind of with those films, as you mentioned, BMX Bandits and stuff like that, and kind of had that uh, you know um, idolized view of kind of adolescence and that sort of time period. So I think that's why a lot of people do uh, kind of resonate with the visuals that you that you choose for your films and your music videos and stuff. So, uh, I think a lot of people do, ha- have almost like, um, that visceral connection to it. So uh, I, I think you do have that kind of like cult slate status kind of going-, going on there. So definitely, uh, make a bunny up or drop. It's good. Push it, it, on. it
1: Yeah. It's, it's cool, man. Like okay. even, um, I, I barely get any feedback on it these days. it's, like people enjoy it, but it's like you never really get people going, Oh, please make another one or oh, do another one. So I'm like, that, that gets me excited. At least if one person says make another one, I'll definitely make another one. Um, the funny yeah. thing is as well, a lot of a lot of those lines uh, so Slider, the dopey guy in the film, he's um he's a really good mate of mine and he, he roasts coffee and he ran a coffee shop and yeah, now he roasts coffee for heaps of coffee shops. And so he's just a classic Queenslander that got brought up in Queensland and those lines that he put in the film were actually his dad's. So they weren't even scripted by a scriptwriter. They were um, how his dad, (laughs) what lines his dad, like one, two, three, perfect barrels. And like, I hang out with them, uh, you know, once a week, go to the, go to the farm, the log farm where they live and, and just have these scenarios. I'm like, I'd love to make a documentary on, on this guy's dad. But uh, there, there is like this genuine, I'm like, you hang out with these guys and you can't help, but love them for their character. And, and just I'm like even even the, the, the my mates mum is she's like please make a documentary on my on my um husband is <laughs> is that funny <laughs> and so I was like oh man like I just want to do more stuff because it brings me joy just hearing those guys like the lines they come out with it's like anyone in another country would be like what is this guy saying
0: <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I noticed. I noticed on one of the comments on the on the comments section on uh, your bunny. Uh, I think some. I think it was. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was yourself or uh, someone else replying. Someone said, "Oh, we're all, we love this film from uh, from America." And then you were like, "Did you watch it with subtitles?" Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. Because, <laughs> like, when we were doing the the Warp Tour with Simple Plan, um, I was like, "You know what? I, I usually go to America, and I think I have to be more American to fit in." And I was like, you know, I'm doing Warped Tour. I'm going to be the Australian guy, and I'm going to take all the the, the yeah, sayings yeah, from the yeah. film, and I'm just going to keep <laughs> saying them. And so, you know, they're, they're Canadian, and then so basically, you know, a week into the seven week trip, everyone's like using the quotes, ah, oh, magazine stuff, mate. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yes, yeah. So like, I tell I tell my mates dad all the time, I'm like, you do realise all these famous people are using your quotes. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it would be great to do a documentary about him because then, uh, you, as you said about, there's some people that you just kind of want to share with the world because they're just so naturally uh, just nice to be around and kind of like just have a kind of a weird, weird sense of a weird sense of per, uh, person, personality. But you kind of just want to share that. So again, you're just coming out with ideas constantly in this uh, um, interview. Oh, no, I did. It's never lining, ending. Lining these documents never ending. Yeah. So this is the the. Um, I've got to. I've got to move on to these sort of the silly questions, if 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 you don't mind. So, um, on the uh, on on the podcast, obviously we all, we we talk about uh, the myth and the legend and stuff, and then we talk about the films. Uh, but then we talk about if you kind of believe in 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 the myth itself, the the bunyip. Um, do you believe in the bunyip? <laughs> <laughs> No wrong answers, what, it's
1: a great. It's a great question because um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around these days already with everything that's going on, and I just love a good conspiracy theory uh, because I just love the idea of something that's so weirdly far out that it could be true. And I'm like, I just, and a lot of the time I wish it could be true as well. And so with a bunyip, I'm like, do I believe in a bunyip? I'm like, well, I would say that. I wouldn't not believe in a bunyip, so that means I guess I do believe in one. Because uh, <laughs> it's like, well, prove it until like prove it doesn't exist first before prove it exists. I, I just like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, never get the level, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Really, um, that's that's saying. And I'm always up for the truth, but I'm like when it comes to something that you know is like completely out of the question it's like well i'd like to make it more like it could be true you never know and so you speak to a lot of people as well like in in our indigenous culture as well they have some great stories and so i even heard yesterday with with um my neighbor that there is um some other creatures i haven't heard of that um kind of down south of the gold coast that they talk about and i was like oh man i'd love to interview these guys or even make a film about this this creature that is kind of more like a dog, but could be uh, super long hair, but like, um, like a bunyip as well. So I don't know what it was called, but I'd like to research that. But they say it's true.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's weird the way you have uh, have that many different um, different variations of the same myth, especially in, in a place as big as Australia. It's uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, secret whispers, kind of the same story, but told around the entire uh, island, kind of stretching. Um, is there if um, obviously, uh, is there any um, myth or legend that, if obviously not from Australia, uh, that you kind of you, you kind of like were intrigued growing up? And you know, a lot of people, you know, we had a guy on the, sh- uh, the show a couple of episodes back. He was just uh, purely obsessed with Bigfoot. Yeah, uh, right, he, didn't, he believe didn't believe in Bigfoot. Foot. He was he was just obsessed with, with with the whole kind of like phenomenon of uh, of you know people kind of flocking to Bluffs Creek and kind of like finding and stuff. So is there anything else uh, like a, a legend that has kind of intrigued you from around? the that you'd be kind he, 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 of. Yeah, Bigfoot. Bigfoot's an awesome
1: one. I love any little documentary about a Bigfoot. It'll get me every time. <laughs> that that and the Loch Ness monster, man. Oh, that's sick. It's um, just—I yeah, a... yeah. don't know. Any of those creatures is pretty cool. Um, I think there's also this um, one that's in Australia. That's a black panther that people see down in Gippsland, Victoria. I'd almost believe that one's true, um, but we don't have panthers in Australia at all.
0: it's like a
1: loose panther going around yeah and so i'm like oh (laughs) and then and then even like even going to america and then and meeting this guy called scott what's his name scotty but he ran this um ufo pickup station kind of on the way to this place called ocotillo yeah just shot a music video down there but we stopped on the side of the road and it's just like space junk everywhere in the middle of the desert it's so weird um yeah. oh, what does, what does know? <laughs> everyone i know that's been there in america but um it's on the it's on google maps as well but you go talk to him and he's like yeah i, I go and collect um space junk and in, into the desert and i've seen i've seen aliens and i'm like oh yes yeah. i was like in paradise man it was it was the weirdest thing but i was like this is the coolest thing ever i could listen to guy that talk all the time um they're just fascinating they just literally live in the desert and collect space junk. It doesn't make sense to me, but
0: again, that's, that sounds like a, that sounds, sounds like a perfect uh, documentary for you. going to kind of follow these guys around and kind of put that. Yeah. Out. That's the it's, thing. It's it, like, it I, get to, weird, weird characters. I get to
1: travel <laughs> a lot and I meet a lot of cool people with a lot of cool stories. And I'm like, Oh man, there's not enough time in life to make these stories.
0: <laughs> it's too many, too many, too many good ideas. Too many, uh, too many cool people. So I'm, I'm conscious that I've kept you for over, over an hour. Um, over, oh, over now, um, but it, it's amazing. I didn't, I didn't think I'd uh, be able to grab you for, for more than fifteen minutes. So having having you uh, over an hour has, has been a, has been a blessing. So cheers for, thank you for doing this uh, um, in oh. the first place and stuff. And then also thank you for being such a, a laid back, cool guy. It's uh, some of these some of these interviews are kind of a little bit awkward when uh people are, their egos are kind of bigger than the size of the room and they're not as uh, welcoming as as you've been. So um, yeah, oh, no kudos worries. for that here sir. um uh, one one thing I, I would like to ask go uh, um if we, we if we could uh, interview again in the future obviously when times aren't as uh, as weird and bizarre it'd be cool to catch up with you and see see uh, what kind of the stuff that you talked about today and see if you've actually kind of completed any of those or any of your uh, new cool ideas so if you do end up making the dropout or um too um it we'd love to, to to be able to call you up and get uh, another q a with you
1: yeah, yeah, definitely stay in touch. Um, always like end up doing five things at once, and so you can never know what's on tomorrow's agenda. So <laughs> definitely stay in touch. I'd, cool. I'd love to, yeah, love to keep chatting. It'd be, it'd be cool because yeah, next year I could be in a different position. Who knows what we're doing in the rest of the year? It's gonna be weird, but
0: yeah, I could yeah.
1: have, I could have at the end of the year, I could have another whole series of '80s myth films done. Who knows?
0: yeah <laughs> well that's 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 one to that's definitely one to to watch out so we'll um we'll put a, a link to your um websites and stuff so the listeners can kind of go and check out your whole vast library of uh, of work and um and kind of enjoy it just uh just as much as we have so um yeah thank thanks for coming on the show uh take care take care of yourself and stay safe um over there as well so um and i'll, I'll speak to you soon cool. Thanks thanks Aaron. see ya so there we have it. Uh, I just want to give a, another big thank you to Peter John for coming on the show and for letting us go behind the curtain a little on how a myth such as The Bunyip is turned into a film. As I said, please do check out all of his other films, music videos and documentaries. We'll post a link in the description to the show. If, however, you'd like to get in contact with us here at the show, you can email heyhofinito at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at heyhofinito. You can also follow me personally at Henry Finning on Instagram and Twitter. And please do follow and subscribe for more myth, movies, and interviews. And remember to stay safe. Hey-ho, Venito!
1: Hey-ho, never Hey-ho, level. Hey-ho, Hey-ho, You know, never, get the, never let the truth get in the way of a good story.